We're in the Gemara towards the bottom of Daf Memzayin Amit Beis. We're holding where it says, Amale. The Gemara here brought a brisa of a person that's going to be high five malchus at once by cooking on Yontif. How is that? He cooked Gidanosha with milk on Yontif and then he ate it. So he's high for cooking on Yontif. He's high for making a fire on Yontif. That's what it said, Havara. Then he's high for. Uh, eating the Gidanasha, and he's also high for eating the Basa B'cholov, and he's high for cooking the Basa B'cholov as well. So that's the five Malkus. So the question the Gemara asked is, why is he high for the Havara? If you say the concept of Hoyal, what does Hoyal mean? Anytime I do a Malacha that could be used for something permissible, then it's allowed. When a person cooks on Yantif, he doesn't need the food for himself. But Hoyal Mikli Archen, maybe guests will arrive. So then I say that what you cooked is for the purpose of people eating. And it's allowed. So say the same thing over here. Even though you made the fire for Gid and Asher, which is not allowed, but that same fire could also be used for food that could be cooked. So why should you be high for Avara? So the Gemara said, take out Avara. And instead, the Isser over here was that he brought wood that was Muktza. And the Gemara said that the Isser of using, Hishtamshus, of using something which was Muktza, is awesome and Atayra. And there's a laugh for that. So here the Gemara is going to bring a Braisa where you see that there's no Muktza and Atayra. Amalei, so he answered back to him, I think this is uh, Terabe, he said to him, You're the one that told us. The question was asked of Rav Chiste. Others say the question was asked from Rav Huna. If a, a lamb was brought out from the pasture, meaning this was a lamb that was not designated to be there as a carbon. So it was Muktza. Okay. Now you want to use it on Shabbos for a carbon. V'shachtoi tamid, or not on Shabbos, on Yom Tif. V'shachtoi tamid v'yom Tif. And now you want to shecht it as a carbon tamid on Yom Tif. So could it be used as a carbon if it was muktza? It wasn't designated b'chlal before Yom Tif to be as a carbon. Mahu. V'atomrit lon Allah. And you told us as follows. And here he brought a b'raisa. And at the end of this b'raisa, we'll see the answer to this question. If you can use an animal that was muktza for a carbon. The Braise here is based on a Pasuk in Yecheskel, and this Pasuk in Yecheskel speaks about Karbonis. It's actually speaking about Karbonis that are going to be brought to Asad Lavai. So in that, in that Pasuk, the full Pasuk in Yecheskel over there, as you have here on the side of the Gemara, Viseh Achas Minatsoin Minamasayim Yimashke Yisrael. So from each word of this Pasuk, the Gemara is going to dash in something regarding Karbonis Bachlal, not only regarding Asad Lavai. Seh, when it says a lamb, what does this exclude? Veloi Habachoyer. That what could you bring for a carbon tamid? It has to be a seh, which is not a bechayr. And Rashi says the way you learn this out is a bechayr is only a zohar, not an akeva. When it says seh, a lamb, a lamb is a zohar or an akeva. So therefore we know that an, an, a bechayr, which is in itself supposed to be brought as a carbon, cannot be used also to be a carbon tamid. Then it says achas, one lamb. What did you learn from the word achas? Another drasha. Veloy meiser. You can't use Meiser Behema for a carbon. Why not? So Rashi says that you learn it out from the word Achas. Meiser Behema is one from ten. So it's not just separate alone. You could only use for the carbon Tamid an animal itself, not something that came from ten. Minatsain, Pasuk says that you take it from sheep. So Min, Min, the word Min from your sheep comes to exclude. Veloya Palgus, not a Palgus. What's a Palgus? So Rashi says, the first 12 months of the, uh, of the lamb, it's called a lamb. Then, after the 13th month, it's called a ram. When it matures, it's called a ram. 
The 13th month, there's one month in between where it's not a lamb and it's not a ram, but it's called a palgus. It's nishtahed and nishtahin. It's not this and not that. So therefore, that month, that, at the age of the animal in that month, cannot be brought as a carbon. That's the palgus. So that's what we exclude. Then the Pasuk says, min hamasayim, from 200. What does it mean from 200? So it makes, I mean, what's the significance of the number of 200 that you should bring from one from 200? So we learn out, min that you should take wine, we're talking now about the wine that's being brought for the Nesachim on the Mizbeach. So the wine is coming from a pit that contains the wine where there's 200 against the wine that fell into it. What are we talking about over here? We're talking about a mixture of something that was usher that fell into this pit. What, was, what fell into this pit? If you have uh, wine that came from Arla grapes, and that wine got uh, uh, mixed into a pit of wine. So if it's 200 times against that Arlo wine that fell into it, it'll be bottle. That's what Minamasayim means. Even if you had wines that was mixed with Arlo that was also, as long as it's 200 times against it, it's bottle and you can bring it as a carbon. Then the Pasuk says, Mimashke Yisrael. So this is the last thing we learn out. Mimashke Yisrael from the beverage that Yidin are allowed to drink. Minamutali Yisrael. You could only bring a carbon from something which is mutter for you to drink from it. From here we learn, You can't use wine that came from Tevel, which is from something that the maestress was not taken from it. It's forbidden for you to drink, so you can't bring it as a Nesachim on the Mizbeach either. Okay, so that's the last limit of the Pasuk. The Mepharshim actually discuss why do you need a special limit for this? Isn't it a mitzvah haba Okay, that's a discussion. The Shagasariya talks about this. But now the Gebrais asks the question, I would think, just like you can't bring from Tevel, so to on Yontif, you can't bring from an animal that was not designated as a carbon. It was Mukta, it was out in the pasture, and now you want to bring it in to use it as a carbon. So Omrit, there's a distinction. You'll say as follows. Ma tevel miyuchod, just like the Braisa that mentioned Tevel. What's unique about Tevel? She is a There's an iser on this wine itself. That it's the Maisa wasn't taken of it, so you're not allowed to eat it. Avkal she is a This that we're saying that you can't bring something on the Mizbeach, it's only if there's an iser on the guf of it itself. Yotza mukta, this excludes mukta, she'ain ain There's no iser by mukta, there's no iser on the item itself, on the animal itself. What's the iser? The issue is that it wasn't designated. But there's no issue on the body, on the animal itself. Ella The fact that it's yantiv and you didn't designate it for a carbon and it's mukta, that's the issue and therefore you can't bring it. Okay, so this is what this Braise is saying over here. And this was the response that you could bring for a carbon from something which was mukta. So now the Gemara explains. If you're going to say that the Isser of using something which is Muktze is What's the meaning of this distinction? Why should there be a difference if the Isser of using this animal is the Isser that's on the body of the animal itself or on the wine itself or an Isser that happened because it's Yontav and it's Muktze? It's both an Isser and a to use. It's not Mimashke Yisrael. It's not fit for you to use. What difference does it make if it's an Isser in the item itself or an Isser that comes from the time? That you didn't designate it for Yantif. For Oi, now the Gemara asks another question. How could you say that we're talking over here about a lav, which would be Muktza? Ha'atu the Amrit, aren't you the one that said, Chiluk Melachis Lashabis, Ve'ain Chiluk Melachis Liyantif? There is a distinction 
between one malacha, the sep- you separate that is, one malacha from another la- malacha when it comes to Shabbos, what does this mean? What's the concept of chilek malachas on Shabbos? If a person does two different malachas on Shabbos, Yechai have a karp machatos for each one of them. Because we learn out from, this machleik is from where we learn this out, but we learn it out that on Shabbos, each malacha is like a separate iser altogether. But not by yomtif. When it comes to yomtif, you don't separate between one malacha and another malacha. So therefore, over here, why are you saying that the person is going to be chayiv for the bishul and also for the muktza, for using the muktza? Why is he chayiv for two separate malachas? It's yomtif. On yomtif, there's no chiluk malachas. Rashi explains when we're talking over here about chiluk malachas and yomtif, we're not talking about karb machatas. There is no karb machatas for being machal yomtif. We're talking over here about the malchus. On Yontif, there's no chatos, there's no misa, it's just about the malchus. But there's no chiluk regarding the malchus either, because on Yontif, if a person is machal Yontif with any of the malachis, it's only one malchus. So why over here are we separating as two separate malachis? The Mepharshim asked the question that really this question the Gemara could have asked before in the beginning. When it said that there's Havara and Bishal. Right now we're thinking that it's Muktza and Bishal. What difference is it if it's Havara or Bishal or if it's Muktza or Bishal? In both cases, the Gemara could ask the same question that by Yantiv you shouldn't get two separate Malkasin if it's one, if it's, it's all on Yantiv, it's considered to be one uh, Isra. But the Pnei Yeshua explains there's a difference. Havara and Bishal is happening at two separate times. You make the fire, that's one act, and then afterwards you use the fire to cook with it. So it's not happening at the same time. The muktzah and the bishul is happening at the same time. Because the muktzah we're talking about over here is not the moving it. I mentioned yesterday, we're not talking about muktzah in the sense of moving the item. We're talking about using it. When is the use of the muktzah? When you, it begins cooking. When the wood begins being used to cook. So the, the muktzah and the bishul is happening at the same second. So why are you getting two different malchus and if it's yantiv and there's no chilik malachas? It's not Shabbos. So therefore the Gemara concludes, Instead, we have to take out the lav of Avara, that's not the additional lav, and it's also not Muktza. Muktza is not Menatayra. Rather, the case over there was, why does he get a, a Malkus for burning the Atsiyashayra? He's using actually, he's using the Atsiyashayra to cook with it. So you're using Avedizari, and I'll have Anna from Avedizari. Vazaras say the lav is, You're not allowed to use anything from Avedizari, no hanor, you're not allowed to have any hanor of it. So you're having hanor from wood that comes from Avedizara. That's the lav. If that's the lav, the nilkinami, when it comes to this lav of using something from Avedizara, there's another lav. Do not bring this uh, disgusting thing into your house. So when your person has hanor from Avedizara, there's two laven and you get malchus twice for that. So there should be six malchus in this price. This other isser here. So that can't be the case. Elo rather, apikavara v'ayalatze hektish. Instead of the lava of avara, take that out. And what we're talking about over here is a person that uses wood from hektish. You're not allowed to destroy anything that belongs to hektish. This is besides the iser of me'ila, that you're not allowed to have any hana from anything that belongs to hektish. You're not allowed to break or destroy anything that belongs to hektish. Vazarase mehocha, and the lava is because it says vashereya and tisifum ba'esh. Avedizara should be burnt in fire. Loisas and kein l'shem alekechem. You're not allowed to burn anything that belongs to hektish. And that this is an issa, by the way, that applies even today as well when it comes to abeisa knesses, abeisa medrash. There's all kinds of shilas when you get to when you break in a, something in a shul in order to rebuild it. What's the hetter for it? So Rashi Avir says, I think Rashi says that Avir that it's derech hashchasa. When you burn something, when you destroy something with the intent to destroy it, so then there's an issa. 
But if it's being done in order to make it better, to fix it, so then it's allowed. Right, so over here, the additional lav is the fact that a person took the eitzim of hektish and he burnt it, he's destroying it, because he wants to cook with it, but he's destroying something that would have been used in hektish, so that's the fifth lav over here, if it's not the lav of Havora. Okay, now the Gemara comes back to the Machlekes of Hoyl. Okay, coming back to the main Machlekes that this whole sugi began with, between Rav Chista and Rabbe. Rav Chista says that there's no such a concept as Hoyl, and Rabbi says, yes, there is such a concept of hoyl that since guests may show up, so therefore when you cooked on Yantav and you didn't need the food for yourself, nevertheless, because it could be used for the guests, so therefore there's no Issa, there's no Malchus in that. That's the Machlaik Issa. So now the Gemara is going to go back to our Mishnah. In order to understand our Gemara, we have to remind ourselves what it spoke about in our Mishnah on Daf Memvava Aleph going to Memvava Medbeis. So over there in the Mishnah, it spoke about a person that has a dough that's Tomei and he wants to separate the Chala on Pesach. There's a problem of separating that dough on Pesach. It's going to become chametz. What is he going to do with it? So Rabbi says, first cook, bake that is. First bake your, your uh, challah or your matzah. And then after you bake it, then you separate the dough. Then you separate, it's not dough anymore, sorry. Then you separate the challah, that is. That was Rabbi opinion. What did Rabbi Yeshua hold? Rabbi Yeshua says, no, separate the challah first, and then you can go ahead and bake it. Okay, so now, that machloik is there regarding baking. When do you bake it? Do you bake it before you separated the challah or after you separated the challah? That's also based on hoyl, as the Gemara is going to say. This argument between Rav Chista and Rabbe, whether you apply the concept of hoyl when it comes to cooking on Yontif, when you're not going to eat it, it's just for guests. This is, seems to be a machloikis of Rabbi Yezah Rabbi Shuhi. What does Rabbi Yezah say? Rabbi Yezah says, do not separate your challah. Separate your challah afterwards. First bake it and then separate your challah. Rabbi Yezah says, you say hoyl. So Rashi explains, what is the Gemara focusing on over here? The Gemara over here is focusing on how are you allowed to bake this? When you're baking your challah, you didn't see your, your, food, your bread, your matzah, you didn't separate challah yet. So if you didn't separate challah, so one of the things that you're baking here is going to be challah. And if it's going to be challah, you won't be able to eat it. You're baking something that you're not allowed to eat. So how could you bake this if you didn't separate the challah yet? You should have to separate the challah first and then that you don't bake because you can't eat it. And whatever else you're going to eat, that's what you bake. But if you separate the challah afterwards, isn't there a problem? Elamai, the answer is Rabbi Yezah holds hoyl. Rabbi Yezah says that this person, every single piece of challah that he puts into the oven when he bakes it, so you could say, my challah is not going to be here. I could separate challah and something else. Hoyl that he could separate challah, he could take off a small, he could actually says he could actually take off a small piece of challah of each of the matzahs that he puts into the oven. So there's not one matzah that's going to be challah. And each piece he says, I'm going to take off a small piece of this. So therefore, hoyl that he could separate it in that way, he's allowed to bake it even before he separated the challah. That's Rabbi Leyeza's opinion. Rabbi Yeshua, Sava, Rabbi Yeshua says, Lo hoyl. We don't say the concept of hoyl. And therefore, if you're going to bake your matzah before you separate the challah, so that your matzah, one of them is challah. One of them is not fit for eating. So how are you allowed to bake this on Yontif? That's Rabbi Shua's opinion. So here we see the argument of Hoyle regarding are you allowed to bake it before you separated the challah? Um, Rav Pope says Rav Pope no, there's no raya. Rav Pope is going to show in both extents, both according to Rabbi Yezer and it, well, Rav Pope is going to show according to Rabbi Yezer. Then the Gemara is going to bring another opinion that's going to show according to Rabbi Shua that it's not necessarily. The Hoyle of the Mishnah is different than the argument of Hoyle of Rabbi and Rav Chista. So Amr um, Rav Pope, Vidilme, maybe there's a difference. 
In our Mishnah, when Abliyaza applies the concept of Hoyal, Damrinon Hoyal, over there we say Hoyal, why Ella? And the reason is as follows. When you're putting into your oven the matzahs, one matzah at a time, each matzah is fit for you to eat. Every matzah that you put into the oven, you say, this, is my, this matzah is going to be mine. This matzah I'm going to eat. I'm going to take off a small part of it to be for challah. But otherwise, the rest of the challah, I'm going to, the rest of the matzah that is, I'm going to eat. So you, therefore, each one is fit for the person to eat. So therefore, I say the concept of hoyl. Even though, if he takes off the challah from one matzah, so then that, that one matzah he's not going to eat, but each individual matzah that he puts in, he can say that this matzah I'm going to eat. But over here, when we're talking about a person that's cooking on Yantif, and he doesn't need the food for himself at all, he ate already. He's just going to use it for guests. It's only fit for guests, but for you it's not fit for eating at all. In such a case, maybe Rabbi Yezah holds it, you don't apply the rule of Hoyal. Over here for you, it's not fit at all. It's only for guests. By the matzah that you're baking and you didn't separate the challah yet, you could say by each matzah you put into the oven, I'm going to eat this matzah. I'm going to separate a small piece of it, but I'm going to eat this matzah. So over here, it's much easier to apply the concept of Hoyal. So you can't prove anything from Rabbi Yezah's opinion. Says, I'll show you, according to Rabbi Shua, that maybe Rabbi Shua holds that Tafko over there by the matzah, by baking the matzah before you take challah, over there there's a reason not to say hoyal. There's an opposite Regarding the case of baking the matzah before you take challah. Over there you don't say hoyal, why not? If you take off challah from one matzah, so there's going to be one matzah that nobody can eat. Not you, not guests, nobody can eat that matzah. It's challah and it's tommy. A kain can't eat it either. Nobody can eat it. So therefore over there I can't say hoyal. Over here when you're cooking, the food that you're cooking is food that's fit for eating. Somebody could eat it. You can't eat it, but guests could eat it. So I would say that over here you do say hoyal. So therefore, we can't prove anything from the Hoyal of our Mishnah. The Hoyal of our Mishnah is a different story. There's actually a reason in the Hoyal of our Mishnah to be more meiko, but there's also a swar in the Hoyal of our Mishnah to be more machmer. It's not compared to the machloikas of Rabbah and of Chista regarding Hoyal. This is the Gemara. Okay, let's see weiter. And Rashi points out over here something very important, but let's first see the next part of the Gemara. Amru Rabbanon Kameh Rab Rab Now the Rabbanon said over this um, idea in front of Rab and Rab meaning the connection, the connection of the Machloikas of Hoyal, of Rab and Rab Chista, and the Machloikas of Hoyal in the opinions of Rab and Rab Yishua. So this was said over to Rab and Rab Zayda. Rab accepted this Pshat and said, yes, the Machlaikas of Rabbi Yezah and Rabbi Shua in the Mishnah is based on Hoyal, like the Machlaikas of Rabbi and Rabbi Chista. Rabbi Zayda, like Kiblo, Rabbi Zayda did not accept it. This Machlaikas of Rabbi Yezah and Rabbi Shua in our Mishnah, that we had a difficulty explaining it for so many years. What are they arguing about? Now it was said in the name of Rami Barchama, in the name of a great person, that he explained this Machlaikas, that it's all based on the concept of Hoyal. And we're not going to accept this? Why wouldn't you accept this pshat? Why don't you want to connect the Machlaikas of Hoyal, of Rabbi and of Chista, to explain the Machlaikas of Rabbi Yezah and Rabbi Shua in our Mishnah? So he answers him, 
How could I accept this pshat? I'll bring you a brisa where I see that this is not the pshat of their machlekes. The tanina we learned in a brisa. According to your opinion that you're taking off the challah after you bake your matzah, you're going to be over on the lava of lesasa because you're baking matzah and a part of this matzah that you're baking is not fit for eating because you didn't take off your challah yet. So something is going to be chalayer. So you're over on the malacha of leisasa This is the question that Rabbi Yeshua asked Rabbi Leizer, and v'shasikle. We don't find in the brayse that he answered him. He was quiet. Now the isa, if the pshat that Rami Bachama said that Rabbi Leizer's opinion is that you say hoyel, why was he quiet? He should have told him my reason is you're allowed to bake it even though he didn't take off the challah yet. But there's a hoyel. He can take off a piece of challah from each matzah and therefore the matzah that he's putting into the oven is fit for eating for him. So why didn't he give him this answer? So you see that that's not the reason of their machloikis. So he answers back to him. Rabbi Yirmiya tells Rabbi Zayde, no, the reason that he didn't answer him is not because he didn't accept it. The Braisa doesn't record his answer, but he did answer him. According to you, we learned also in the Braisa that Rabbi Yaza asked Rabbi Shua a question, and we don't see in the Braisa that he answered him. What does it say in the Braisa? Rabbi Yaza says to Rabbi Shua, according to your opinion, what does Rabbi Yeshua say? You can't take off the challah after you bake it. You have to take off the challah before you bake it. According to your opinion, the issue is going to be that challah that you take off before, you're not allowed to bake it. That challah is going to sit there on Yontif and you're going to be over by your by your matzah. That was the question that Rabbi Yaza asked Rabbi Shua. And we don't see in the Braise that Rabbi Shua answered him. So, so are you going to say that just like here in the Braise, Rabbi Shua didn't answer, does it mean that Rabbi Shua in fact did not answer? But if you go back to our Mishnah, in our Mishnah it does say that he did answer him. Because in the Mishnah it says, what did Rabbi Shua say? Rabbi Shua said, you're not even by Yerobayimotza. Why not? Because there's no owner. Nobody owns this Chomets. The, the Yisrael that just separated the challah doesn't own it because it belongs to a kayin. But there's no individual kayin that owns it either because it wasn't given yet to any kayin. So we see that Rabbi Shua did answer this. Even though in the Braise it doesn't say that he gave the answer, but in the Mishnah it says so. In the Braise he didn't answer, but in the Mishnah it records his answer. I could tell you as well regarding the other Braise where Rabbi Shua was asking Rabbi Yezus a question that you're going to be over on Lysasa Kamalacha and he didn't answer him in the in this b'raise he didn't answer him, but in a different b'raise he did answer him. So, and, and what was the answer that he gave? Maybe the answer that he gave is that we rely on the concept of hoyl. So therefore Rabbi Yirmiya says, I think it's a very good pshat to say that the machloikis of Rabbi Yezah and Rabbi Yeshua in the Mishnah is based on hoyl. Okay, that's the conclusion of this sugya. Rashi here points out that if you remember what we learned on the Gemara and from Memvava Medbeis, over there, the Gemara also brought up the concept of Hoyl regarding this Machlaikis of Rabbi Yezah and Rabbi Shua, but in a different context. Over here, we're bringing up Hoyl regarding the issue of baking on Yontif. How could you bake matzah if the challah wasn't separated yet? Something that you're baking is also to you, for you to eat. But the Gemara before brought up Hoyl in a different context regarding the Bayirah Bayimotzah. Is this challah that you separate yours or not? Over there the Gemara said that if you're going to say hoyl vi'iboy itshalaleh the Gemara says when you separate challah you could go and undo that challah and therefore Rabbi Yezah says you could undo the challah so in that sense it's still yours 
because then the chale is not for sure chale. You could undo it. Mashenkin, yeah, yeah. Rabbi Yeshua says you can't undo the chale. Uh, sorry, not that you can't. You could, but the fact that the hoyle that you could undo it doesn't matter. And therefore, it's not yours. So over there, the Gemara applied the concept of hoyle for something else. When you get to whether the, the ownership of this chala, to be over by Yerah, by Yamatsa or not. Our Gemara is not even addressing that. Our Gemara doesn't bring that up. Before the Gemara was discussing, could we compare the Machlekes of Rabban and Avchista to the Machlekes of Rabbi Yezer, Rabbi Yeshua, the Gemara is talking about the hoyle regarding how you're allowed to bake this on Yantav. You're being over on the Isra of baking on Yantav. How about the hoyle that the Gemara brought up before, when you get to whether you own this Chomets or not? So Rashi here says that either the Gemara here has charata of that, or Rashi says we have to even change the gears in the Gemara before. And the point that Rashi's opinion on the Arsugi is that to apply the concept of Hoyle regarding the ownership of the Chomets, it doesn't make sense. If you're not an owner of something presently, just because you could go to a Chacham and change your nether of the Chala and gain ownership in it again, that doesn't... Uh, Define ownership now. That's not a star that that's ownership. And Rashi says we had in the in Gemara in the first Patek where it talks about that you're not over on Chomets that belongs to Hektish. If you're Maktish, you're Chomets, you're not over on anymore. If it belongs to Hektish, there's no issue. And the Gemara they never brought up such a concept, but you could be Shoyal on your nether and you could be kind of the Hektish back to yourself. When it comes to ownership, it's Poshet Rashi says, we don't apply the concept of Hoyal. You're not the owner. When it comes to the Isra of cooking on Yontif, over there you could apply the concept of Hoyal that the food could be used. Over here, Benegeet to Chale, Benegeet to guests. Over there you apply Hoyal. But Hoyal, Benegeet to Chomets, Rashi says, we don't apply Hoyal. Rather, what's, what is the basis of the Machlaikis regarding the ownership of the Chomets? So the Gemara said already before, the basis of the ownership is whether Toivas Hana is Mamin or not. The fact that you could choose which coin to give this challah to, does that have a monetary value and therefore you have an ownership or not? That's really what the machlekes is about. It's a different machlekes, nothing to do with hayal. That's Rashi's pshat in this Gemara. Okay, the Gemara concludes now this Indian regarding who the halacha is, is like. Tanya, Rabbi Oyma halacha Yezer. Rabbi says we pass like Rabbi Yezer. And Rabbi Yitzchak Oma halacha Ben Beseda. Rabbi Yitzchak says that we pass like Ben Beseda. Okay, now the Gemara goes on to a different subject, a more simpler Indian here. Says the Gemara of a Isa. How large is the size of a dough that you're allowed to bake on, on Pesach? If it's too large, so then it might become chametz. So there's a maximum amount of size of how large the dough could be. Rabbi Shema he says, when it comes to wheat, kabayin. It could only be two kav. When it comes to barley, which doesn't become chametz as quick, it could be shloshes kav, it could be three kav. It's in the reverse. Chitim becomes chametz quicker than sairim. That chitim, it could be, again, that chitim becomes chametz uh, slower than sairim. Sairim becomes chametz quicker. So it's chitim, which is three kav, and sairim, which is two kav. Frek the Gemara, but Vatani we learned in a different Braise, Rabbi Shmuel, Benesh Rabbi Yechanan, and Breka Oimer, Bechitin, Shloishes Kavin. When it comes to Chitin, it's going to be three Kavin. And before we said that it's only two, or Besoirin, Arba Kavin. And by Besoirin, it's four Kavin. And before we said it's only three, answers the Gemara like Kashya. It depends what, what quality it is. Hobachasichasa, when it says, that it's, uh, you could use a larger amount, that's because we're talking about an inferior quality of wheat or barley, so it doesn't become chomet so quick. And ma'alyasa, when you're talking about good kernels that are ripened properly and it's good quality, that becomes chomet much quicker. 
So that's why there's a difference in the shiurim. Omer Rav Pape, so Rav Pape says, Shmami no, I can understand from this Gemara here, the shiurim that we just gave, the fact that inferior quality of wheat, so they are more inferior, so the, 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 the inferiority of these chitin, uh, of the wheat, from the good quality of chitin, it's more inferior, so when you compare the barley, the good barley, to not good barley, so the difference between them is less than the difference between good wheat and not good wheat. And the Gemara explains how you see this. When it comes to the difference between the good quality wheat and the bad quality wheat, tilsa, the difference between them is a third in the amount of uh, uh, dough that you're allowed to use. But for hacha, when it comes to the barley, riva, the difference between them is only a quarter. So it's less of a difference, right? The difference between uh, two kav and three kav is a third. The difference between three kav and four kav is a quarter. So I see that the difference between the good quality barley and the not good quality barley, barley is not as big as the difference between the good quality wheat and the not good quality wheat. Omar Rav, Rav says a different share. So before we were saying two or three or four, Rav says no. Kav melugno, lepischa. There's a kav from the city melugno, that's the, that's the shear for how much you can, uh, how large your dough could be on, on Pesach. And the chen that's the same shear also for the minimum size of dough for the shear to be chayv in the mitzvah of challah. So the Gemara asks on this, how could you say that the minimum size of the shear of challah is a kav? Right now the Gemara is thinking, when Rav says kav melugno, it means a kav. How could you say the shear to be chayv on challah is a kav? But we learned, Vatanya, chameshes revoim kemach, the shear to be chayav and chala is five quarters of a uh, kav, which basically means uh, a kav and a quarter, kemach, that's how much flour you have to have to be chayav in the mitzvah of chala. V'oid, chayavim, um, sorry, the way you read this is, chamisha revon kemach v'oid, has to be five quarters of flour and a bit more, that's when you chayav and chala. Not if it's one kav. Rashi here brings the whole Cheshbon. We once learned this in Eidavim, Daf Pei Gimel. The Gemara says there, the whole Cheshbon, how you come exactly to this conclusion. It's learned out from the, uh, what it says by the Mon. By the Mon it says it has to be a Siris Eifa. So this, the Shir of a Siris Eifa is a, a, a Kav and a quarter and a little bit more. That's what Yechayev and Chala. So how can he say that it's one Kav? And it says the Gemara, Hachikama, Kav Melugnoi Nami Ahai Shirakoi. The Kav of the city Melugnoi, that was the Shir. It was a Kav and a bit more and another quarter. It's, it's a larger size of a Kav. Not sure, maybe it's five pounds. I tried to check it up yesterday. I didn't, I didn't get to it, but uh, it, maybe it's five pounds of flour. There's a chart for this. I don't remember now what it is exactly. Omer Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef says, Hani Noshi Didon. So our women. Today in our times, he says, Nog lemefa kapiza kapiza lepischa. So they make smaller doughs to bake on Pesach, a kapiza. Rashi says they use a bowl that only has three lugin in it. That's less than a kav. Amalei Abaye, so Abaye says, my daitech lechumre. They want to be more stringent, so they have smaller dough, so it won't become chametz. Chumre dasili dekulahu. It's it's a stringency that leads to a leniency. The kamafkele mechala. If you if you bake such small doughs, so it's not chayiv mechala. So they're not going to do the mitzvah of chala. Amalei, so he answered him, no, they will be able to fulfill the mitzvah of Chala. The Ovdin, Rabbi they'll do like Rabbi Yezah said. The Tanya, Rabbi Yezah Oimer, 
When you remove the matzah or the challah from the oven, and you put it right away all into one basket, the fact that they're being put into one basket, that combines them for the shear of challah. Even if the dough itself did not have the shear, in the oven it did not have the shear, in the basket it has the shear, so that's when they give the challah. So Rav Yudah says in the name of Shmuel, we pass him like Rabbi Yezer. Amalei, so I asked him, but for her itmer Allah, didn't didn't we learn this? Amr Abishu Ben Levi, Leishano El Kikreis Shel Bavel Shanoishchay Zumizu. When is it going to be combined in the basket? That's only if you have like the breads that are baked in Bavel. They're big round breads, and you put them into the oven, and they bite off of one another. In other words, they become attached. Then Yechayev, Avol Ka'achin Loi. But if it's made like narrow, long pieces of challah that don't touch one another, so then even if it's in one basket, you're not Chayev. So over here, when you have the matzah, if they're not touching each other, so you wouldn't be chayv and chala. So the Gemara says, no, there's another opinion. When you combine them in the basket, even if they're long, narrow pieces of matzah or chala that don't bite off of another, it's still going to be chayv. Regarding this question of the basket combining it to be chayv and chala, Rabbi Yirmiya asked the question, What's if you have, it's not exactly a basket, but you sort of have a sheet where you put everything on of it. It doesn't have this uh, rim, a vertical rim that's holding it inside of it. What's the halacha? You have to have an interior that's holding it inside of it. And you don't have walls over here to this keli. It's all in the airspace of this one sheet that you place all your chala on of it and it combines it together. Didn't answer this. Tanya Rabliyaza, Ayim Rabliyaza says, Asal Mitzarfan. The basket combines it for the mitzvah of Chala. Rabbi Shua, Ayim Rabishua says, Not only the basket, but also Tana Mitzarfan. Whatever you bake together in the oven combines it. Only if you have breads like in Babel, where they bite off another, then it's Mitzarf. If they're not biting off one another, it's not going to be Mitzarf. Zok the Mishnah. Why the bakeries today take off the Chala afterwards? Yeah. Because they, the shear that they make of uh, the matzah before is dough is too small. That's why they take it off afterwards when it's combined in one basket. Yeah. Gamliel says, Shalish Nashim Ka'achas. Three women could, if they have only one of them. So the issue over here is, if you can have three women that are baking uh, their matzah all together using one oven, so they're not going to be able to do it quick enough to get it into the oven. They're going to have to wait for one another to use the oven. So the Gamliel says, three women are allowed to use one oven and, and need their challah all together. And they can bake their matzah in the oven one after the next, even though they're going to have to wait. But for three women, they're not going to have to wait long enough that it'll become chomets. That's the maximum amount of people. But more than that, they're going to have to wait too long. In other words, let's say we'll assume that it'll be more than 18 minutes. So three women are allowed. The Chachamim, Chachamim say, no, the way it has to be done is, all three of them could be busy with the, preparing their dough at the same time, but it has to be sort of in a rotation. They have to be doing it in a way that none of them should have to wait to put their matzah into the oven. One is kneading, and one is preparing it, and one is already baking in the oven. It's like the way it's done today in a, in a matzah bakery. There's like this assembly line where it has to be done in a way where the matzah is constantly being worked with and it's not being left idle for one moment. And like this, they can get it into the oven without waiting. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, and as the Gemara will see in the Gemara, Rabbi Kiva is responding to Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel said three women. Says Rabbi Kiva, Why are you giving a shear that three women can use one oven? 
and then they're not going to have to wait too long. Depends. Depends what kind of women. Are they doing it quickly? Are they doing it slow? If, is the wood in the oven baking very quickly? Or the heat of the oven? How could you say this shit of three people? It depends uh, on a lot of different things here. And therefore, he says, this is the cloud when you have a few people that are using one oven and they have to wait. So what do you do? Tofach, if you see it, that if it's starting to, it's about to rise, tiltash bitsayinan. Put cold water on it and then that will cause that it should not rise. Toner we learned in the Brais, the Brais explains here the opinion of the Chachamim. Losha, you have the first woman, so she starts kneading her challah, and when she's done with that, himikatefes, so then she prepares it, so she rolls it and prepares it to go into the oven, and then the chaverta losha, the second woman that's here in the assembly line, she will now begin kneading, tachtel, instead of the first woman that was first kneading, and now mikatefes he, oifet, the woman that was uh, preparing it before, and now she's already baking it, So then the second one will now go and prepare her chalet for the oven. Instead of her. Now a third woman comes along and lush, and she begins kneading. So you have this assembly line over here. When one is putting it in the oven, the other one is rolling the challah, the matzah, and the first one is, is kneading it. And the, 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 the assembly line continues over here, as the Gemara explains, as the Brice explains. Um, again, when the first one is now baking, when she's done baking, she can go back to the beginning and now knead another dough. And the second one will not go and bake instead of her. And the third one could now be preparing the dough, rolling the dough. This is the rotation that it goes around. Each one should be doing another work in order that they shouldn't have to wait to bring it to put it into the oven. As long as you're busy with the dough, you're not leaving it in one place, it does not become chametz. This is the most important thing to know regarding matzah in a bakery, that it should constantly be in mo, you should be working with it, using it, doing something with it, it doesn't become chametz. Rabbi Kiva says, not all women are the same. Rabbi Kiva said, I asked Rabbi Gamliel the question, he gave the shir of three women. Teach us about this. I don't, explain this to me. Who are you talking about? Benashim Zrizais? Are you talking about women that are working swiftly? Or are you talking about women that are working slowly? Are you talking about wood that's moist and doesn't bake quickly? Are you talking about wood that bakes very quickly? Is it a hot oven? Or is it a cooler oven? So how can you give a share of three women? It depends on all of these factors. And he answered me, I'll give you this the thing that Chachamim said, that if you have to wait for an oven, so in the matzah is, is starting to rise, what you do is, tafach, you see it's going to rise, tiltosh b'tzaynan, put cold water over it, and the coldness of the water will cause it not to become chametz. That's the cloud for the Sinyan. Okay, well I guess we'll stop over here, we'll do the mission tomorrow.